That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to yet another W for the Denver Nuggets. These guys are stringing them together. There is no doubt about it. This time, a 126-97 victory that uh, over the Phoenix Suns, a traditional rival, I think it's fair to say, uh, given what's been going on over here uh, in the last couple years. Um, but you, you can't file uh, Wednesday night's game on ESPN in the same uh, chapter book of that rivalry just because uh, the dudes didn't play. Uh, no Chris Paul, no um, DeAndre Ayton, no Devin Booker, no Cam Johnson. I mean, like, they were a, I mean, this was a Dario Saric, Tory Craig, you know, uh, Miles Bridges, Bismack Biombo, um, who's the uh, final starter there, Washington, uh, Dwayne Washington. Um, this is this is a G League. T- I don't want to say G League team. That's disrespectful. They're they're NBA players, but just just not a team that was ever ever going to come into Denver, Colorado, a ball arena and win uh, in the same place that the Nuggets haven't lost in what feels like about a month and a half. Twelve consecutive victories uh, at home for Denver. This is a team now that has won 14 of their last 17, eight of their last 10, four in a row. They stay atop their perch uh, in the Western Conference with the number one seed. And uh, not going to spend a whole heck of a lot of time here, to be t- totally honest with you. I've driven now back to the studio, uh, and I actually have to share with you what, what just happened here. Um, so it's it's Thursday uh, afternoon. Uh, it's about 3 o'clock at the time I'm recording this. My radio show is from 11 to 2, but we were on location at Brothers Barbecue doing like a Broncos coaching search special um, as Denver's looking for, you know, what seems like their seventh coach in like nine years um, on the football side. So I get done with that. And I got these young kids, man. I got a four-year-old. I got a one-year-old. And you just never are sure how these nights are going to go. And, you know, I go to bed at like 11. My kids are up. My son's getting into bed. And we try to tell him, hey, stay in your bed. And he, he, he says the magic words, you know. Um, Daddy had a nightmare. Daddy had a bad dream. And then at that point, I'm like, screw it. Get your little butt up in here and lay next to me, right? I got you. Um, so I'm on lack of sleep. So I get done with this live show at a brother's barbecue with this panel and, uh, I come here and they put couches in our sort of common area, uh, in our, our wing that is the offshoot of the rest of our radio cluster. So we have like multiple radio stations here and we got the fan has its own wing. Um, and we have these, uh, uh, couches now and they got a couple TVs. All right. And our boss, Raj Sharon, uh, here, our program director, it's like wrestling once in a while, like old school WWF wrestling. Well, well, coincidentally, that's what I fall asleep to at night. Like sometimes it's a Seinfeld episode, sometimes it's a you know YouTube video, but sometimes it's like old school, like 1995, like Royal Rumble. And um, so that's on the TV. And I lay down for a second, and there's a blanket there now. And I'm like, nah, screw it, I'll throw the blanket on me. This is kind of cozy. It'll just take just take two minutes. The next thing I know, I hear my own self 
snoring. <laughs> I have never, ever, ever fallen asleep at work before. So as I as I sit here and do this podcast, I was just sleeping about six minutes ago. Uh, so I'm trying to gather myself and get myself uh, to my son again at preschool. Oh my gosh, you can't make it up. Um, the Nuggets on a Wednesday night on ESPN uh, didn't sleepwalk through uh, their game. Um, they, uh, you know what, actually had some competitive integrity. Because it can be tough. Like, just how do you get up for that? Right? Like, how do you get up? And they've, they've had a couple games like this where, like, you know, LeBron's not playing. Anthony Davis is it's like, okay, well, we're, we're still going to play. We're still going to play hard. Um, so I want to give the Nuggets some credit, uh, actually. Not for just necessarily beating a depleted Suns team. That's what you're supposed to do. But there's a lot of times here doing this podcast for the last half, half a decade with you guys. The Nuggets haven't done what they were supposed to do, right? Like, we've seen that. So on a lower level, you give them credit. But also you give Michael Malone credit for getting these boys up ready to defend and uh, play together. And, you know, there was a possession there in that, in that um, I think it was in the second quarter, where it was like a Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, like, turned down a corner three from the right corner if you're looking at the basket and he drives baseline. He like misses a shot. Tries to get his own rebound. The 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 ball's bouncing around. Well, there was three separate offensive rebounds during that one possession for Denver. Bruce Brown was getting on the floor in that possession. The ball doesn't get um, corralled by anyone. It bounces out to the perimeter. Jamal Murray is getting on the floor. It leads to a. a, a Another shot where Chanchar gets the offensive rebound, kicks it out for a, a Bones Highland three. And it was just like one of these possessions. There's no like huge overarching takeaways of this game um, outside of the Murray uh, ankle tweak that we'll get in a second. But like um, I thought that possession was like a pretty good summary of uh, why the Nuggets ended up winning by, you know, 29 points on Wednesday night is because they actually played hard. And the only way that a team like Phoenix, with their current, the, the, their construction on Wednesday night, um, was going to beat Denver is if Denver wasn't going to work hard. And when I saw multiple Nuggets getting on the floor in the same possession to mix in with three offensive rebounds, I was like, there is just no way this, this, this group um, in orange is going to come in here and beat, um, uh, beat, this, beat this Denver Nuggets team when the Nuggets were playing like that. A um, couple other things here I want to get to. On the broadcast, I thought this was very noteworthy. It was um, George Sedano, I believe, the, the, the sideline reporter for ESPN, uh, highlighting that, look, in, in the, the Nuggets, and we talked about it ad nauseum here for weeks and weeks uh, at the early big chunk uh, of the season, maybe like the first 25 games or so, um, just how bad the Nuggets were defensively. It looked like they weren't trying. And it was hard for me sometimes to come in and they would win like 141 to 130 and be like, okay, that's cool, regular season win. You 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 bank that. Um, but that doesn't even look remotely like winning basketball uh, on, on, on that other half of the floor that really matters a lot, um, the defensive end, of course. And this team has really put the clamps down. And you're seeing the effort. You're seeing the defensive principles. And when I heard George Sedano say that in the last 12 games, the Nuggets rank number three in the entire NBA in defensive rating, that is um, a big deal. 
And who knows? They're going to have to do keep their foot on the gas in that category for a while to continue to bring up their, their rating. But it is noteworthy that there's only two teams ever uh, to win an NBA championship that weren't inside of the top 10 in defensive rating. So the fact that they're inching themselves closer and closer night by night uh, in that department, I think is a really big deal. Um, Jamal Murray was out on the floor in the fourth quarter when the Nuggets were up 25. That shouldn't happen. That's unlike Malone. That's a Michael Malone. Um, he's not a perfect coach. He's very competitive. He'll tell you what he'll tell you is, hey, I've been in this league for 22 years and I've seen a lot of crazy stuff and da, 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 da. Look, with time score situation, right? Context is king. That Suns team was not coming down, but not coming back from down 25 points in the last 11 minutes of the game. They went with no Booker, no eight, no CP. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. Period. End of discussion. So, um, uh, hopefully this is not a serious thing. A um, little ankle tweak. I don't think it is. Uh, but Jamal had 16 points. He was 6 for 13 from the field. Uh, made a couple threes. It was really good to see. But that kind of, you know, in a night that should be really, really forgettable, um, you hope that decision to have a guy like Jamal out there um, in that fourth quarter in a blowout doesn't come back to um, to cost this team. I don't think it will, but we'll keep our eye on it here over the coming days. Um, KCP and Bones Highland were so fun to watch on Wednesday night. Those guys with their quick triggers, especially in transition, um, and Bones uh, off off a DHO, you just, you're never safe. And he's like six feet behind the line with some of these, and they're just bombs. But I thought both those guys were really fun to watch. Bones went for 21 points, five of seven from three, had four assists um, to just one turnover. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, four of five from three for his 15 points. No one on the Nuggets had a better plus-minus than KCP's plus 26. Um, that was fun. Going back to Jamal, though, real quick. I have this in my notes because um, I, heard, I heard this phrase in pregame. I heard it at halftime. I heard it in the postgame, and I heard it during the broadcast. Okay? Let me repeat that. I heard the following phrase in pregame, during the game, at halftime, and in the postgame, what is that phrase as it pertains to Jamal? The phrase is Bubble Murray. Everyone knows the phrase. It's been bandied about for a couple years now. It was a legendary moment. But my question is, do you think Jamal Murray is tired of hearing the phrase Bubble Murray? Because I'm just telling you, I would be. Personally, I would be. Jamal Murray was a first-round draft pick and has been in this league since 2016, Okay. He's spent the better part of a decade now in the NBA. He's played hundreds of games. I, th- I think he's approaching 400 games. Um, I would not want to be defined by a two-week period. Simple as that. Maybe it was three weeks. Whatever. But when my career is such, I would not be want to uh, be defined over a three-week span. But it is a testament to where the basketball community collectively is kind of at until Jamal breaks through whatever the barriers that he needs to break through. There, there aren't really definitions to them, right? They're, they're intangible. You can't see them. You can't measure them. Um, that's why we keep on you know, asking the question, well, is, he, is Jamal all the way back? Is he not? Well, this game sucked. Maybe he's not back. Oh, no, he scored 34. Is he back? Oh, he scored blankety-blank over two games over Houston. Is that the runway for him to be back? We keep asking the question, and we're going to until it's no longer relevant, and he's just the best consistent version of himself. I, that, that Bubba Murray phrase is like now motivation. Um, that's the way I'd be looking at that thing. Um, 
he this is a good player, and he needs to uh, continue to just keep stacking bricks, keep stacking nights of just really good basketball, and not constantly living in this revisionist. Um, oh, remember that three week stretch back in 2020? Like it's 2023 here, and obviously a lot's happened since then, right? Major injury, tons of time, working your way back, going back through the growing pains. But it, it would get to a point with me, and I, I would bet Jamal. If he's not ever at that point, I'm tired of hearing about bubble, bubble Jamal, bubble Murray. Let me just be the best version of myself. Now, obviously, this little hiccup with the ankle, um, uh, we're, we'll, we'll monitor, and hopefully it's just a blip in the radar. But, man, when I heard that that many times in every phase of a, of a national broadcast, like, holy crap, that was years ago. Um, but just something I wanted to bring up uh, here with you today. Um, how about Jokic? Jokic had two putbacks in the game. One and I think this was in the first half, where he tipped it three different times and ends up, and they're talking about offensive rebound, tipped the offensive rebound three different times. And on the one that he put it in, it was the third or fourth opportunity. His Both feet were on the ground. Just a bizarre sight. And they, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. They called it out on the broadcast, just a little bit different. And then he had a, a possession, I think this was in the second half. Um, no, excuse me, it was in the second quarter, where... He's battling for position, Jokic is, and he corrals a rebound while he's fighting a defender, right? He's got the defender on his left side. He's got his hips into him. He's boxing him out, and he's corralling uh, the basketball with just his right hand and, and like, has a putback while never using the offhand. Uh, just add it into the, you know, library of just stuff that is unusual that Jokic it, it comes secondary uh, second nature to Jokic um and it's just uh not used to seeing that that yeah it, it sort of reminds me of like a big brother messing with his little brother like I'm gonna keep you at bay with my left hip and my left arm while I just corral this rebound with my off hand I don't I don't need not even off hand my my right hand not needing my off hand uh on the putback uh Jokic's numbers uh on Wednesday night were 21 points rebounds and nine assists so nearly another triple double he was hyper efficient yet again 10 of 15 from the field um Jokic continues uh his uh his MVP campaign we've been updating you uh, with the odds here um nearly every single episode because I'm fascinated by it I'll go over the championship and conference odds in a second but in terms of MVP Jokic has lowered his um odds once again Jokic is now plus 260. That is just him and Doncic uh, leading the field. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is 80 points behind him at plus 340. Jason Tatum plus 380. And then you get to the fifth uh, candidate, Joel Embiid. He's 12 to 1. So the, the four leading candidates are, it's like a four-horse race right now. Um, Embiid's missed some time, although dominant when he's been out there. Durant is going to miss some time. And then you get to like the sixth candidate, um, or I should say the seventh candidate, Ja, ja Moran at 30 to 1. Donovan Mitchell's having an incredible season. Incredible. 35 to 1. Like not even in the mix. That just shows you how far away the, the 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 four horses pacing the field. Luka, Jokic, Giannis, and Tatum. But even amongst those four, Luka and Jokic. Uh two days ago when we recorded, Jokic was a plus two ninety. So he's increased his odds from plus two ninety to plus two sixty. Meaning that if you bet $100 on Jokic to win it uh, three, two days ago, it 
uh, yields you $290. Today it's only $260. I uh, would imagine this is going to continue to um, to um, just odds get shorter and shorter, not longer and longer. I mean, he's going to be one-to-one here uh, in a week or so. Uh, Nuggets, by the way, are 3-1 to one to finish with the most wins in the NBA. That is second to only the Boston Celtics. And they, they're not tied with anyone. It's Celtics, or excuse me, Nuggets solo behind uh, the Boston Celtics, who are uh, minus 180. Uh, so a serious favorite to, to finish um, the season with the most wins. The Celtics right now sit with 30 wins. The Nuggets right behind them at 28. Um, so that's just something fun to keep your eye on. In terms of uh, the conference, coming out of the Western Conference, it is now the Denver Nuggets in solo possession of the odds right now uh, at uh, 7-2, to two, or you can phrase it a different way, plus 350, bet 100 bucks, win 350 for them to come out of the West. Um, behind them is now the Golden State Warriors. So the Nuggets, the unequivocal favorite now for the first time this NBA season to come out of the Western Conference. And when it comes to uh, their championship odds, they have shortened yet again, yet again. Uh, last week they were ten to one. Early in the week they were nine to one. That changed after the Lakers victory to eight to one, and now they're plus seven fifty. So if you put a hundred bucks on the Nuggets to win the NBA championship, it pays you seven hundred and fifty bucks. Um, so that these are the shortest championship odds we've seen from the Denver Nuggets in uh, in, in terms of within the regular season. Gosh, got to be. I don't even know if the mellow years ever even came this close. Um, they are right there at the top. Only the Bucks and the Celtics have better championship odds right now uh, than the Denver Nuggets. So, okay, uh, we'll leave it there for now. Everyone have a great, great day. Uh, like I said, uh, it's Thursday. Uh, up next for Denver, who sits atop the Western Conference uh, with that tiebreaker over Memphis. They have uh, The Nuggets have the Clippers on Friday evening. On ESPN, so another national televised, uh, nationally televised game. Uh, it's in the late window, Friday evening at eight o'clock here locally. That'll be a late ten o'clock start back on the East Coast. Seven o'clock for the folks of uh, cheering for the Clippers out there on the left coast. Uh, that game is in Los Angeles, and uh, obviously we know how this past week went last Thursday, uh, seven days ago. The Nuggets absolutely launching the Clippers into the sun. Uh, with a 122-91 victory. Expect uh, the Clippers' best effort if they do play those guys, uh, given what happened within uh, the last two weeks. And then after that, it'll be Sunday uh, at home against the Orlando Magic, uh, followed by the Portland Trailblazers at home uh, on Tuesday. And then the next thing you know, you're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves on national TV again in the middle of next week on ESPN. So fun little stretch. I uh, have one home, uh, one road game come back for, I think it's uh, one, two, three, four, five cons- uh, consecutive home games following this road Clippers game. Um, Orlando, Portland, Minnesota, Indiana, Oklahoma City. A chance to really... Um, stack some wins here over uh, the next week and a half or so. So, okay, we'll leave it there for now. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And whatever happens on Friday in Los Angeles and then Sunday at home against the Orlando Magic, we'll be talking about it early next week right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.